0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Achieving Christian Thought Podcast. I'm your host, Brian.
1: Hey, thanks for listening in. This is Robert. Hey, and I'm Zach.
0: Join us for each episode as we apply the gospel to dive into the inner workings of the Christian faith. Are you agnostic or atheist and want to understand Christianity better? Want to learn more about Jesus? Discuss the differences between the modern and early churches? Or maybe explore some of the Bible's most interesting characters. Then we hope you'll join us in achieving Christian thought. Uh, welcome back, everyone! Uh, another episode of the Achieving Christian Thought podcast. Um, glad uh, you're with us. Um, if you're listening. Uh, definitely leave us a like leave us a review we'd love to hear from you Uh, definitely will help us improve the podcast especially if you leave topics of what you want us to talk about maybe what you want us to expand on potentially revisit Um, also let us know as well testing out some new audio equipment tonight Uh, was having a little bit of issues it's a brand new audio interface i think i've got it working i'll find out once i edit though but uh, yeah hopefully everything will go good with this um, but yeah, as always, we've got Zach and Robert. Uh, thanks so much for joining me again tonight. Yo. Yo! And, uh, last time we dove, uh, the past two episodes, we've kind of dissected a psalm, uh, read a couple of different translations, uh, last episode was really fun. We actually dove into The Message, which I had never, I've heard of The Message, but I had never read before. Never experienced that, and that was quite a shocker Um getting into that. So hopefully we can get another one tonight uh, to kind of compare. Yes. But yeah, we're kind of continuing on in our psalm series, um, kind of dissecting these a little bit further. And Zach, Robert, uh correct me if I'm wrong, but we're in Psalm 23 on this one.
1: Yes, we are. And we're going to have a lot of fun tackling this one. Uh The thing that I always like to open up with about this psalm in particular is it's if you'll notice, it's basically Hollywood's favorite psalm. Now, this is the, usually the funeral psalm. Mm-hmm. And so people usually hear certain verses in this psalm that are quoted, and they immediately think of either a funeral they've attended in real life or a funeral scene from a movie uh, because there's always the priest or the pastor quoting verses about the valley of the shadow of death, and we'll talk about what that actually means. I will fear no evil. Except <laughs> you. <laughs> but... but. Uh, What this psalm really talks about, when you look at the whole thing in particular, um, just like the one last week, it's also a psalm of David. And uh, in his early years, he was a shepherd looking after his father's sheep. And uh, he would actually spend the time, it was just him and the sheep, and he would spend time alone with God. And he would uh, produce some of these songs during those days. And so uh, for... David of all people to write down the image that pops into the psalm in the very first line and carries it through all the verses It carries a lot of weight for him in particular because he knows what it means to be a shepherd And so six verses are what David gives us all about the goodness of God And it opens up with the very famous line the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want now last episode. I was in the ESV. I'm in there again but uh, that's the opening line. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And that actually ties the entire psalm together. The whole thing could be summarized in that sentence. But what exactly does that mean? And he answers those questions through the rest of the psalms for the rest of those six verses. But uh, if the Lord is your shepherd, it literally has the image of you as a sheep. And God is the one in charge of you. He is the one who is watching over you, making sure that you're provided for, making sure that you have a place to be. And this is true spiritually, and when God chooses to provide, he can provide physically as much as he wishes as well. And so we're in good hands no matter what actually may come in life. But uh, the very first statement, I shall not want because God's my shepherd. What does it mean to not want? It Just to jump to the spoiler, it basically means not to be in need. Uh, Zach, what is your first the first sentence in your translation, the NLT?
2: Uh, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Perfect.
1: I accidentally quoted that word for word and didn't realize that the NLT said it word for word like that.
2: (laughs) You're good. Now, Uh, what about...
1: Now, let's go to the paraphrase where Brian's (laughs) hanging out. God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. Amen. That's
2: right. (laughs) Priest, brothers. Don't
1: need a a thing. Sassy like a jazz player on a street corner in New Orleans. I don't need a thing. I don't need a thing. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, so because he's my shepherd, I don't need a thing. And he goes, it's, it just sounds so much like a country song. I'm distracting myself. <laughs> oh my shepherd.
2: I don't need a thing. <laughs> Mud <on> the tires
1: <laughs> and a single little string. <laughs> 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 uh, that's oh. all you need. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Robert to he then oh come on now oh boy I'm making my own paraphrase <laughs> but uh <laughs> not needing anything goes into verse two and it has that same image of you as a sheep he refers to God obviously the whole time he says he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters and so it's an image of both land and water the things that a sheep would need to survive the shepherd in real life, a shepherd would make sure that a sheep was able to find clean water, uh, make sure that a sheep was able to find sources of food out in a field. And so basically it's talking, It's just two ways of saying he provides for me. Uh, he knows what I need before I even ask for it, before I even realize I need it myself. And he knows which field and which water source to take me to. And that's true in physical life and it's true spiritually. He is the one who gives... You know, he is the one who gives life. He is the one who is uh, the one who's able to hold up your head uh, when things get scary. Uh, As far as terms of, uh, you know, economic issues, financial issues and spiritual issues, he can uh, give your soul what it needs. Uh, How does yours say it, Zach? Uh,
2: He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. And in my head, you know, just kind of stopping for a second. It remind it just kind of like paints this picture. Like if you just imagine like rolling green hills, like, I mean, obviously this is the Middle East and things of that nature, but in my head, I immediately go to like Scotland or Ireland and oh, the right yeah. the, 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 like, oh. emerald green grass Ooh. and the sheep walking around eating and then right beside the sheep there's just this calm flowing uh, stream that just that isn't too fast but it's good clean water. I like
0: it. Maybe some mountains off in the distance a little bit of
2: fog. Maybe somebody playing a bagpipe. I don't know. That's (laughs) kind of the (laughs) Scotch
1: Irish in me. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) A little castle off in the background that's not too creepy. It's nice and quaint like a postcard. I like it. Uh, but the idea of God leading and preserving. Uh, now, Brian, do I dare ask what that second statement is in the message?
0: Okay, so actually this one is pretty pretty close to you guys. Uh, okay. It's, uh, you have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. Aye. Even though they end that with a preposition. Yes. <laughs> um uh, <laughs> You find me quiet pools from which to drink.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: But, yeah. but no. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty, pretty close. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I have oh, to yeah. say,
2: especially after last recording, when
1: yeah. <laughs> it was pretty straightforward. It's like, OK, you're done. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, very straightforward so far. You know, the Lord's your shepherd. He will provide. Yes. So moving on to verse three, it goes in straight into the spiritual. Uh, it's not just he restores my body, but he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake, and that's a very loaded statement. How does it say it in yours, Zach? Uh,
2: let's see. He renews, oh, excuse me. Uh, he renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to
1: His name. I like it. The message
0: <laughs> Prepare me a little yourself. bit. Uh, true to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Okay. So, kind of. I
2: don't kind really of. see the uh, bringing honor to his name. The, okay? yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Yeah. and that's totally another example. Out. Yeah, you're, you're, how paraphrases can be lost in translation. Yeah, you're Literally. not
0: really capturing, you know, why you want to <laughs> yeah. go in the right direction, yeah. obviously, mm. to bring honor and glory glory, glory to God. Yeah. But mm. it's more of just, just go in the right direction yeah. just because. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, yeah. God says so. so. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. And you kind of see the, and I know that David wasn't thinking about this consciously, but you do see the hierarchy of needs here. He takes care of me physically. And then once I make sure I'm not going to starve to death, verse three, then he restores my soul. He leads me in a new path. Mm -hmm. The first one was to grass, then to water. Now he leads me a path to righteousness. Like he shows me the way, he gives me meaning, he gives me purpose. He shows me the kind of man I'm meant to be and women for those out there who aren't men. (laughs) But, uh, he, he leads me in the way that I should be as a human being because he's the one who restores my soul. He's the one who provides for me and long span thinking, you know, all the way through scripture, he's the one who died for me on a cross. So for his name's sake, he's not going to leave me and abandon me, um, not uh to give glory to his own name and also simply because he loves me it's both and Mm
2: -hmm. yeah and and another thing is um he guides me along right paths
1: that's an important
2: aspect also because a lot of times we'll get it you know especially people secular people will be like well one path is just as good as another path and and there's a New Testament idea that wide is the path that leads to destruction, but narrow is the path that leads to eternal life. Um, and it says right here, He guides me along the right paths, which indicates that there are right paths to go and also wrong paths to go. Yeah. So,
1: oh, yeah. And it's the, uh, that article, He leads me, um, does it uh, repeat the the statement in your translation, Zach? He leads me where? Uh,
2: he guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name.
1: Okay. Yeah, in paths of righteousness for mine. So the idea of right versus mm-hmm. wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I started to say the article the, but my brain was thinking he leads me down the path of righteousness, but it's not in what I'm seeing. But still is this exclusiveness that some people find offensive. I mean, some people think, "Oh, wow, you're going to tell me there's only one path to go down and that's the path." Well, if you find it, it's not that offensive, honestly. I mean, if you know the road, you have to, to use the illustration of driving. If you know the road and you see it and it's clear and it's paved and it says so and so city, this many this what this way, this many miles, you do have the opportunity to fly off into the woods and go barreling through the spooky trees, but why would you do that if you value your vehicle at all? Wow. And and the thing is, we, we see the physical world like that, but we don't see the spiritual world like that. The path of righteousness is, you know, it. Let, let's go to extremes that uh, almost everyone would agree with. You know, cold-blooded murder, right or wrong? Is it exclusive to say it's wrong for cold-blooded murder? Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time we're recording, um... Maybe I even mentioned it in another episode a while back, but you know the Jeffrey Dahmer series on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Is he a hero or is he not? Is it closed-minded to say that he's not a hero because of what he did? Mm-hmm. Uh, most anyone would agree with that, and yet the that there's this idea of that narrowness in saying so because he was not on the path of what is right. right. And so the concept in itself shouldn't be offensive at all if your heart's in the right place and you're willing to see the truth when you find it. And that's the whole point is, you know, God will lead you to the truth. He's, he's the author of it. He will show you to it. And he's going to bring you down it until you find who you really are in him and what that means and who you could be through him because of who he is. If that made any sense, that was kind of a word salad I tossed up there, but it's
2: delicious.
0: Well, the thing is, and kind of going on a little bit of a tangent here, but, uh, kinda going back to what you said about, you know, cold blooded murder, we can all agree that's pretty bad. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And there's certain directions that are clear cut (laughs) the right (laughs) path and clear cut wrong. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like even if you look at cultures all over the world, Mm -hmm. there's there seems to be a universal set of morals Mm -hmm. that no matter what culture you're from, Mm -hmm. I would say, I mean, I I'm not I'm not worldly. (laughs) I'm not a very cultured uh, individual. But I would assume Mm -hmm. there's not many cultures anywhere on the planet where they find murder completely acceptable. Or even, yeah. yeah. Or, you know, just blatantly stealing Mm -hmm. from your neighbor. Mm -hmm. Or... Mm -hmm.
2: mm, How you treat your wife. Or how... how, Like, I mean, like, even if people like in the ancient world, didn't ha- have a high view of women because there were, they, they was out there like that. But the reality of it was is they still, like, there was still, like, laws about that. Like, you couldn't just go up and be like, okay, well, that's your wife. Well, I'm going to take her from you. No, society would be like, that is the wrong thing to do. You should not do that. Yeah. And there was punishment involved for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I'll edit this next phrase out, but I was. I said universally, not really main cultures where murder is acceptable, and I was going to say rape as well, but then I started thinking of some places in the Middle East where they murder and rape pretty <laughs> yeah. much indiscriminately, so I kind of. I was like, I don't want to bring Islam into this because <laughs> there's a lot of that in Islam. Yeah. Um, so I may have to revise that. <laughs> I don't know. I'll definitely edit this
2: part well, out. The, the thing is, is it's but the the reality of it is, is even with that, there are conditions for it. Like, and you have to meet those conditions. Like, even in the concept of like rape and things of like that, it's because they have such a low view of women. But there is still like it, there is still punishment for the person who does those things. Like, like perhaps the father um, uh, has the final say over what happens with the woman or whatever. But there is punishment for the person who conducts the rape, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, even though you know their their ideas of what it means to be you know respected or whatever is wrong or different, um, they still, like, there's still repercussions for when you break that law if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Plus, yeah. Plus uh, one more thing, and you said you would cut this but maybe we could store it somewhere for just the right moment, but another argument would be, you know, mostly in those cultures that have that thing happen they usually come up with some other reason to explain why it is moral, you Mm -hmm. know, the wrong thing for the right reason, because there's an idea of like you know uh some some of those cultures they'll argue that you know um if a man can't have an outlet for you know the lust that he feels you know it would lead to more crime and more stuff that if they try to reel that in and the irony is you know they're using morality to argue in favor of things we consider immoral because yeah. tomato yeah. tomato you know we we don't condone this and yet it it might look different in, in certain cultures but even in those cultures they would agree at the very barest mm-hmm. bones this is to an extent wrong here is why and they would use they justify it by falling back on something we did agree with mm-hmm. yeah, which yeah. is uh, definitely ironic but, mm-hmm.
0: but it just points to I mean the fact that all cultures of the world seem to for the most part at mm-hmm. the core agree to certain universal Mm -hmm. standards Uh, you know rape murder Mm -hmm. stealing from your neighbor things like that it does point to a higher a higher set of morality that does not come from Mm -hmm. culture or society
2: Mm -hmm, yeah Mm. and i even go so far as to say that there we tap in like whenever we call something wrong such as when we look at the Nazis in World War II, we say that when they conducted mass murder of genocide of the Jews, like, they were wrong to do that. So you can objectively look at an action and say that that is morally wrong. That requires a moral standard or a moral law giver, um, such as God. Um, And the fact that it's like evolution cannot... You know, how like uh, there's people in the that hold the evolutionary view of morality and say, well, morality just it, it's for the society, how that society goes, such as um, you know, such as the Nazis or such as the um, uh, Muslims in, in the Middle East. But the reality of it is, is whenever if there is no true objective mora- morality, then there's no. Case for moral supremacy, such as it is morally wrong to rape, it is morally wrong to have slaves, it is morally wrong to, and you can actually look back in examples of when these things happened, whether it be in America's history or Nazi Germany or you know, uh, Middle East, what have you. Mm -hmm. You know, you Mm -hmm. have a moral superiority that we appeal to that say these actions are wrong. Um, And this is really just kind of a little bit of a tangent, but I mean, that's really the right path is, you know, God's path. He's created us. He's created us in our, in his image. And we are the image bearers. And even though we don't want to admit it, even if we want to run and deny God and this and that, we cannot get away from the fact that even when uh, we might appeal to something else, when bad things happen to us, we appeal to that moral uh, uh, objective, moral value to say, hey, look, this was wrong. Like a great example, like an evolutionist would appeal to, hey, it's wrong to torture animals. Even if they don't believe that humans are different than animals, still they will... Appeal to hey, you shouldn't torture animals, and they kind of set it up as like it's it's wrong, and it, but that that idea directly correlates to the fact there is actually an objective moral ought slash ought not. Mm-hmm. We ought not to injure these animals. We ought not to injure these people. What have you? Uh, so as just some side tangent there sorry
0: yeah, basically just a really roundabout way of saying, yes, God will keep us if we put our trust and faith in God, <laughs> he will keep us in the right direction yep. keep us on the right path yep. essentially yep. Yeah. yeah so sorry for that little tangent oh, but yeah.
2: oh, hey hey sometimes you just gotta add the flow to let, uh, it, yeah. let it it yep. let it fill out yep. uh,
1: So jumping into verse four. Uh, But uh, now this is the famous verse. This is the one that Hollywood loves to throw out there. And this is the one that people love to read at funerals again and again and again until it loses its meaning. So verse 4, in light of everything we've talked about, uh, the first three verses, he says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that's a lot of prepositional phrases, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What does it say in yours, Zach? Okay. Uh,
2: Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me.
1: I like it. What you got there,
2: bud?
0: Yeah, so mine... A little different. Um, (laughs) Even when the way goes through Death Valley... I am not afraid when you walk at my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure.
1: Mm, not too bad. No. Not too bad. Not too bad at all. Because, uh, I mean, the imagery in here is so packed, we could dig into this again and again. Zach's version does a great job of capturing the meaning of it, walking mm-hmm. through the darkest valley. Mm-hmm. I will admit I love the NLT, but that's one instance I love the ESV more. Just be, Well, it's closer to the text anyway, but... That phrase has kind of become iconic in funeral Mm -hmm. culture. Uh, You know, the valley of the shadow of death. And so we've got this big metaphor. And David is saying, even though I go through this scary period of time. Now, of course, it could mean literal death. Some people interpret it that way. But I believe he's talking about seasons in life where. Uh, the fallenness of the world is in your face. Because he's not talking about death. He's talking about the shadow of death. And what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Well, and there, here's an example for those out there, interpretation. Scripture matches Scripture. Uh, sometimes you'll read something that will help you interpret something later on. And so the way Scripture handles shadows metaphorically is usually the shadow is a fake image Or an after image of something that is real. Now that's literally what a shadow is. That's why they used it as a metaphor. Uh, You stick a bottle of water on a table. And the shadow of the bottle is going to be cast across the table. It's going to be shaped like the bottle. Uh, Depending on the angle of the light. You could probably guess what that shadow is of without seeing the actual bottle itself. But uh, it could also stretch and become thin. It could become darker or lighter, depending on a lot of different factors. And so when Scripture talks in, I mean, in several places, when it talks about the shadow of anything, uh, Paul talks about many of the instances in the Old Testament being shadows of Christ to come when he was promised in subtle ways that were metaphorically fulfilled. It talks about this being um, something that reflects a bigger truth. Um, for example, another example, honestly, uh, Paul talks about how the temple on earth was just a shadow of the real temple in heaven that we no one alive has ever seen. And so when he talks about the shadow of death, it's literally, it's not the fullness, it's not actual death itself, even though humans, of course, all have to face it. But when that shadow of death is cast, when you see something that reflects the reality of death, uh, not just physical death, but spiritual death, um, moral death, um, everything from, uh, natural disasters to, um, horror on the news. When you're walking through the valley where that shadow is cast and you're having to see it and be reminded of it, it's kind of like goodness is the sun and the shadow of death has eclipsed that for a time. And everyone has experienced that in certain ways, either deaths in the family or uncertainty due to, I mean, the list goes on and on, medical situations, uh, problems within your family that don't involve, you know, that don't involve death or medical, but, you know, social situations where people are just infighting, um, constant list of things, and everyone has experienced something from it. And when David says, when I go through that valley, when I'm living that time, when I have no idea how certain things are going to get through, I have no idea what how it's going to end, but I'm tempted to let it keep me up at night. I will fear no evil. And it's talking about literal outward evil like Satan. It's talking about inner evil like temptation. It's talking about natural evil like a hurricane that tears up your home. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Mm -hmm. And it's this idea that this is a God who walks through the shadow with David. Mm -hmm. He is not spurned by the shadow. He is willing to go go through that valley with him And that doesn't—it doesn't say this in the psalm. No Jew who read this during David's lifetime would have thought of this right away. But looking back, that's the perfect picture of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Someone became flesh. He came right into the if the the world is one big valley of shadow of death to him, and he stood in that shadow for thirty three years. Oh yeah, and it finally blotted him out, and then he conquered it. He is the sun. son, S O N and S U N. But uh, he de- he's the one who destroyed the shadow of death. And David already said before he was born, hundreds of years before Christ was born, uh, he was praying to the same Christ. But he was saying, you are with me, therefore I'll fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And the irony is that, of that when we hear words like rod and staff, we usually think of discipline, being struck, being uh, condemned. And he says, it comforts me because you have these. And so the image of going through the valley, you have this comfort because the shepherd has these tools. You have Mm -hmm. a hooked, uh, the shepherd would have a hooked rod. And if the sheep started to travel too far, he would gently put that hook around the sheep's neck and just tug it so that it would just steer in the right direction Mm -hmm. again. And he says, I know that you are with me. Because I feel your rod steering me through this darkness. Mm-hmm. I can't see because it's too dark, but you know exactly where to go, and you're leading me every step of the way. Therefore, I will fear no evil. Right. Uh, any other thoughts on this?
2: No, I mean you—you mm-hmm. you hit the nail on the head. I mean, in my head, uh, I like I said, you know, I mean, and you've touched on this already. It's like you just imagine, you know, like you—you—if you, if you could have put yourself in the scene, I guess you could say. You know, kind of like how I said before, like there's the, the green pasture or whatever. And imagine that you know you're just walking in into this this really dark area, where God guides you into this dark area, and and having that knowledge that God is with you through that, you know, that brings comfort. Um, so often, especially in the times of hardship, we all often ask the question. Where is God? Why isn't He here? You know, and our emotions rage, and and our fears uh, are amplified, and and you know, especially like if you imagine like if you are in a dark room and you don't know where you're at, like the fear and all that is heightened to like, uh, sup- I mean, just overwhelming, uh situation overwhelming like emotions but like in that situation if you remember that God is with you God is here Jesus is with you he is walking beside you he is guiding you he is with you the Holy Spirit is directing your steps to go in the direction that he wants you to go to walk in faith And and you can even tag this in to uh, uh to the previous episode, the previous um, psalm, I mean, it's not necessarily good to do this because it's not actually connected, but it's like even though I'm fear, even though I'm walking through this fear-inducing situation, remembering who God is and choosing to... Uh, walk blamelessly, following him, saying the truth, speaking the truth, walking in the truth, walking in the light, um, not giving in the gossip, not giving, not pursuing, going back even to Psalm 1, uh, not partaking of the the company of sinners and not, um, like you're just choosing to walk a different path, even though you may not see the reasons why you're walking through this dark valley, you stay faithful, you stay consistent. Um, and that's just kind of like an idea that just kind of came there, you know, just like even though you're walking through this valley, just stay uh, trusting in the Lord because his staff and his rod, and his spirit are there to guide you and direct you. And if you don't give up, if you don't faint, If you keep moving forward, he will guide you through that valley. He will put you up on the mountaintop um, because that's the reality of it. We each, every single believer out there will experience seasons of valleys and seasons of mountaintops. And when we rely on God to get us through the valley, we don't try to get ahead and do it ourselves. We actually stop and we wait on the master. We let him guide us and direct us and push us in the direction he wants us to go.
1: Great stuff. Phenomenal stuff. And so we're now, um, not right away, but we're slowly starting to land the plane in these last two verses. And David's just been talking about the goodness of God. Uh, You know, who you are comforts me in the midst of evil. And so now... Verse 5, he's talking about how you show you give me blessings even though I'm surrounded by enemies. And if anyone, and I said something similar to this last time with the other psalm, if anyone was surrounded by enemies, it was David. He knew what it was like to go through the valley (laughs) of the shadow of death because in his situation, they were literally trying to kill him. So his shadow could have become the object very quickly. But he says. Verse 5, you, God, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. So you've got three ways of saying how blessed you are because God has been chosen to be so good to you. And so you've got the first metaphor is a meal. Uh, You you prepare a table before me. So basically you set out a feast, of friendship with me, In the presence of my enemies. And so this image is very, very intense, to be honest. It's this idea of, you know, he sits down to eat and his enemies are right there in the room. And he sits there in comfort eating, knowing that they cannot touch him because his God is there with him. So basically you have prepared a place for me to rest in direct view of those who wanted to kill me. And he said, and he basically says that not to mock the killers, but he basically just says that, you know, God wanted to put those blessings on display so that my enemies will realize that they, that they were in the wrong. Mm. And I will give all the glory to him. Therefore, he knows that he can bless me without it going to my head. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Um, you anoint my head with oil. That's the second image. And for many of us in the modern world, that sounds weird as can be. But uh, I actually had someone tell me once that that's literally what a shepherd would do to his sheep. He would actually take a little a bit of oil and anoint the sheep's head with it. And if I remember right, and if I'm wrong, I'll be embarrassed. But if I remember right, I think the anointing mm-hmm. with oil helps keep bugs off of uh, like flies and gnats away from the sheep's head and eyes. So it doesn't irritate the sheep so much. And so my enemies are these little gnats nibbling at my (laughs) eyeballs. And God says, go away. It's a a modern way of saying it for us. A human would understand is he gets.
2: I was going to say, mention uh, the message. See what that has to say after. you.
1: Oh, yeah, that's great. (laughs) He's. The idea, of, and honestly, if the message says this, I called it first without peeking, but <laughs> you know, it would be like being in a, on, on a campsite with tons of mosquitoes everywhere. And uh, this is so a God is your lust- citronella candle. Yes. Right? God is my citronella. That's a, <laughs> that's such a cheesy <laughs> illustration, but that's literally what David is mm-hmm. saying about his enemies. You prepare a table for me in, in their presence. you anoint my head with oil to get rid of them? My cup overflows and. Here's where I'll end it and pass it to the others. But the cup, another metaphor for God's blessing. And so if the blessing of God was like the liquid, and if you have a full cup, you can be thankful. But David says his cup overflows. God just keeps pouring it and pouring it, even though he doesn't deserve it. Mm-hmm. And so it wraps up these three things to, to have this one big picture of God blessing David. But uh, let's pass it to the other translations. Yeah. Well, translation plus paraphrase.
2: Yeah. yeah. Do you want to? No. You read yours? I want to uh, hear. I want to hear what yours has to say.
0: All right. So the message for verse five: You serve me a six-course dinner <laughs> right in front of my enemies.
2: All right.
0: Um,
2: <laughs> five course
0: of- not fancy enough. Seven course you're just being pompous.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So no, sorry. Uh, you serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head. My cup brims with blessings. Okay.
1: Wow. So not. A little straightforward, not, to, yeah. not too, not yeah. too bonkers. It, yeah. was, it was a little weird, <laughs> like a six-course meal.
2: I mean, I, I mean, uh, a feast is, I guess, could be six courses. <laughs> I
1: mean, if you no. really want to get into theolo- theology, I don't think this was the author's intent, but. The six course meal is one less from the big time. The, the number of perfection, mm-hmm. The Seven course meal comes in heaven, but I don't. I would have it. said you served
0: <laughs> serve me a buffet or yeah. a banquet. Yeah. In front of my enemies or whatever, but no six <laughs> yeah. course meal. Keep
1: yeah. it classy. Yeah. yeah. But not classy. Too. But not pompous. Yeah. 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 Just give me a kid's meal that doesn't suck. No, <laughs> no I'll cut that out. <laughs> give, give, me a, give me a cheeseburger without pickle without onion. Just give me a kid's meal that's not terrible and half frozen, and I'll be content.
2: But. That's it. Uh, so my translation, just to kind of give us another uh, uh, reference here, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Again, basically the same kind of concept that Robert's talked about also so and then also talking about the six course meal over there with Brian uh, I have to say that the message does seem to be really focused on food
0: <laughs> it does that, well food relates to people
2: Yeah. well you know and you can
0: reach all people through food
2: and and you know that's the thing about community is a lot of you know I guess talking about here with enemies but you know with friends and family I mean foods and that uh you know, one of those things that just kind of binds us together and we all fellowship together. It's comforting, it it's brings
0: com- people together. Yeah. Everybody relates to it. Yeah, I mean it's
2: surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. So here in this last section, this last passage here. This last verse, it says, Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. So, again, you see kind of like the fact that um, here David is talking about who God is mm-hmm. and the fact that you can attribute goodness to God yep. and his unfailing love that does not end. That that is I can't remember what psalm it is. But one of the key phrases is that it, it says, like, your love endures forever. Do you remember what uh, psalm that is? But it's like every, like, there's a verse. And then so it gives a couple lines. And then it says, and your love endures forever. And it's like, I want to say it's at least a dozen, if not more, um, verses. And it ends with, and your love endures forever and ever just the the repetition is like to keep in mind that God's love for us, for those who repent and believe in Jesus, never ends. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm tying it into the New Testament because if you're not careful, uh, you might miss that. And so you always got to tie in uh, the, with the New Testament to the Old Testament. Don't don't let uh, the uh, thinking of the Old Testament. Confuse you about that
1: good stuff, um but like to just to back up what Zach said, you know surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. you know it's basically talking about just the goodness of God, and you hit the nail on the head so much I don't have much to add. Okay. It's just the idea that you know he is with me and he will continue to be with me yeah. um and I don't know for sure I haven't read this, this is just my sanctified imagination, but uh, the psalm you mentioned that keeps repeating that line, mm-hmm. a lot of these were uh, communal psalms. Um, mm-hmm. They These were things sung as a community, especially things called the Songs of Ascents, like as they marched up to Jerusalem for the feasts, they would actually sing these songs. It's kind of, yeah, I think it would be safe to say this. It was kind of like the Jewish sanctimonious version of mm-hmm. 100 bottles of milk on the wall. It's like, we'll Take sing down, this as we go down. <laughs> yeah, as we go up to Jerusalem, we will sing this. So I wonder if there may have been a song leader that sang the the off verses, mm-hmm. and the crowd would respond, his love endures forever. Mm-hmm. He would say something else, his love endures forever. And I just imagine this this massive camp of faithful Jews and that, that kind of thunderclap that would go up it was the people shouted that, his love endures forever. And so this idea that, you know, as David is marching like they did, through life, metaphorically speaking, he gets to chant that again and again because he knows that God is good. You know, God's proven who he is in the past. He's still proving who he is in the present, and he knows that the future will be there with the same God without any change in who he is. Mm -hmm. And so leading into that last line, um, you know, he says, they'll pursue me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So he's going through the course of life in a single sentence. Mm-hmm. For as long as I live, this will be with me. Mm-hmm. And then I'll dwell in his home forevermore after death. And so he's basically talking about uh, just the idea that, you know, since this God endures forever, that goodness never has to end. Mm-hmm. And the same God that saw me through the valley when I finally reached the other end of it, then I will be with him for always and forever. Um, how do the other verses in this psalm?
2: Uh, I've already went over mine, so I'll let... Uh...
0: Bless me. Yeah, so actually verse 6 um, of the message is actually pretty... Pretty solid. Pretty solid. Um Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life, and I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So not bad. No. Yeah. And you see a recurring theme throughout the bible where it compares god's love to a pursuit of Mm -hmm. god's constantly pursuing chasing you Mm -hmm. and that is really a great um description of how he views us like no matter what we do Mm -hmm. no matter how bad we mess up how horrible we fall Mm -hmm. He's always pursuing us, he's always wanting us to turn to him and look mm-hmm. towards him, mm-hmm. and he never stops wanting us to want him oh, and yeah. he, he's always after us after our hearts um and that's really for the God of the universe to like when you start wrapping your mind around the God the creator of the entirety of everything mm-hmm actively is pursuing you right as small and as finite as we are Mm -hmm. here on earth um i mean that's really kind of an incredible thing when you really start from an existential point of starting to think about that it's it's mind-blowing oh yeah oh yeah yeah.
2: and and the thing is is going again tying back in to psalm 15 talks about uh where how how does the (laughs) mind word it here uh Speaking the truth from sincere hearts, again, it just kind of adds into that whole element of, you know, God pursuing those who Mm -hmm. has that sincere faith, that sincere belief, and that sincere trust in Him. You know, it just continues to add, like, more depth to that. He provides sustenance. He provides direction. He provides company. He provides comfort. Even whenever you're surrounded by your enemies, he'll pour out blessings so that they can see it and realize, kind of like what Robert was saying, like, realize that they might be wrong in order that they may repent. Like, they see the blessings being poured out on David and realize that that's God that's doing that, and they realize that, hey, maybe I need to turn from what I'm doing. hmm and actually pursue God's holiness and pursue his righteousness and things of that nature instead of being an enemy of God, being mm-hmm. an enemy of the man of God. Instead, I'm going to pursue God and love God from a sincere heart, and that will change me. And then I'm no longer enemies. I'm now a brother or a sister yeah. in Christ.
0: And the further up in, in this one, in Psalm 23 of... Once you know that God is there, Mm -hmm. and once you are with God, Mm -hmm. or you know, God is with you, like you can literally face anything that life throws at Mm -hmm. you, and you do not have to fear anything, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you don't have to worry. I mean, it's obviously natural for us to worry and Mm -hmm. fear things, but this is just such a great comfort of Mm -hmm. knowing that. You know, the creator of the universe has your back no matter what you're going through. And nothing ultimately, nothing can, you know, can separate you from God. Mm -hmm. Nothing can, you know, take away your salvation. Nothing can take away your eternity with him, Mm -hmm. um, no matter how bad it gets.
2: Yeah. And and you can even apply the metaphor of going through the darkness you know, talking about you get a bad um, doctor's report. Mm-hmm. You know, you find out your spouse has been unfaithful. You found find out your parents have gotten a divorce. You know, like you can put insert whatever darkness there and know that God is still there, still with you, and He is there to comfort you. He's there to guide you and direct your paths, mm-hmm. and just stay stand firm in him, stand firm in following his ways. And it just, even though it may not be easy, but the the ultimate, the end goal is you will one day be with God. And that's the hope, you know, I'm tying in kind of like the New Testament here, but that's one of the things that we look forward to is the day that when, We're no longer in this world. We're no longer sojourning in this period of time. We go to heaven and we get to be with God forever and ever and ever. You know, just like it says, I will live in the house of the Lord forever. The end. No one can take you out of that. Cancer can't take you out of that. Divorce can't take you out of that. Um homelessness can't take you out of that losing your job can't take you out none of these things that might be a hiccup in our world today will not remove you from Mm -hmm. god's uh dwelling house of the lord forever and ever and ever you will be with god forever amen anything else guys
1: amen uh to close us out you know the, the idea that the lord is your shepherd uh, for those who don 't know him personally out there who might be listening, um you know the opportunity to know him as your shepherd comes through christ and so for if you don't know what that means, please don't hesitate to reach out to us on the website uh But for now, and this is something that appeals to literally all of us believers nonbelievers, anybody who currently breathes um, we don't touch politics as a rule, but at the time of our recording, it wasn 't too long ago. Uh, the president of the United States stood up and told the country that we're closer to uh, the possibility of a nuclear disaster than we've been since the Cuban Missile Crisis. Mm-hmm. And so when you hear something horrible like that, I mean, something sweepingly horrible uh, on top of, you know, the the smaller things that uh, can happen to you personally, you know, the whole world or the whole Western world is on edge about this. Now there's no more comforting comforting word than the idea that you know nothing will separate you from God you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever he leads you beside peaceful waters and however it ends we know that the same God rules over the world that ruled over David's world in his time and so that's definitely a, a word of hope that the world needs is there is a shepherd guarding over this chaotic little ball in space mm-hmm. and what would what would be Paul's response to this idea, you know, of who is watching us, who's watch, holding on to us. Can we dwell with him forever, even in the, even after a lifetime of, you know, crazy stuff like this? And, you know, Paul, in his letters, he said, I don't think that anything, not death or life or height or depth, or nor angels or demons will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And this is the promise that David conveyed in different words because he was on the opposite side of the cross, but... Same God, same promise, same reality, and same hope for us. Mm -hmm. And so to God be the glory. Amen. Absolutely. Amen.
0: Well, thank you, Zach. Thank you, Robert. Um, I hope everyone out there listening has kind of been enjoying these deep dives into the Psalms and kind of teaching people how to take scripture and how to dissect it and how to pull the different meanings out of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't have to have any sort of advanced knowledge. You don't have to have any advanced degree to really dive into the word and start picking truths and meanings. And um, the good thing about it is you could read the same passage 10 times and get something out of it each time, um, depending on what's going on. So um, I've, I heard a great, um, thing i can't remember where i heard this it was a long time ago but i remember someone saying um the bible's the only book that reads you back Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know i'm sure you guys have heard that too but um But no, this has been fantastic and uh, definitely leave us a comment, leave us a message. If you want us to keep doing more deep dives into different scripture like this, Uh, we definitely can. We've got a lot of material uh, to go through. (laughs) Yeah. And and so, um, but no, this, this has been really great. And um, I wanted to bounce some ideas off of you guys for the next uh, episode um, or the next time we meet back up and record. I can't remember, um, I'll have to go back and look at the other podcasts, but have we done a deep dive or an episode into how to exactly approach asking Jesus or like converting or oh, like, okay. like what, what, yeah, is, yeah. what does that actually look like? What does well, that I, mean? Yes, like how, Like, how do you actually... Let's say you do want to take that step Mm, out there or you have someone, you know, maybe a listener out there who's not really well versed, but they're a believer. They have a friend, relative, someone they know who want to take the plunge. Mm -hmm. What does that actually mean? How do you approach that decision? Mm -hmm. What do you actually pray
2: right
0: uh what does that prayer do what does that prayer mean mm-hmm. and then maybe go into the next step after a profession of faith of baptism right. why do we get baptized what's the purpose of that hey, yeah absolutely. um things like that like what does that mean absolutely um and i can't remember if we've touched on that or mm-hmm. if we have touched on it i don't think we've done a fully deep dive i don't think we have no. but yeah so i think that would be kind of uh just to give us a little break uh, just to switch up the Psalms a little yeah. bit and then maybe we can dive back into some more verses after that. Sounds but good. I really think that would be good for people to really hear what does it mean to profess a faith in Christ? What does oh, yeah. it mean for that Absolutely. prayer and that decision and then leading into baptism?
2: So, oh, yeah. yeah, that would be great. Yep perfect cool cool cool
0: all right everybody well thank you so much for listening really hope you enjoyed it definitely whatever um, podcatcher you're listening to this on leave a review leave a like leave a comment it really helps us as we're trying to slowly grow our listener base Um, as always uh, if you want to interact with us directly facebook's probably the easiest way to do that our facebook page the achieving christian thought podcast uh there and um, yeah, uh, everybody, uh, thank
2: you. Thank and you. Uh, we'll be with you all next episode. Rock on.